Today, AI feeding frenzy creates a headache, but the stock market is not the economy. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics, World well, Latest Post, covering finance and property news. And this is our weekly market update, where we start in the US, go across to Europe and Asia, and end up in Australia, and also cover oil, gold, and Bitcoin. Sparked by NVIDIA's latest blowout earnings report, stocks surged, and there was a general excitement about a tipping point in generative artificial intelligence. On Thursday, of course, it was the best day in more than a year for Wall Street's main stock indices, and the SP500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average eat out another close on Friday. All three Wall Street benchmarks have scored weekly gains, with the SP500 up 1.7%, the Dow up 1.3%, and the Nasdaq 1.4% higher, as AI stocks had enough steam to keep the rally chugging along. Nvidia advanced again on Friday, going up a further 0.4%, and briefly traded above $2 trillion in market valuation for the first time. And by the way, Nvidia's gains on Thursday, the session after its blowout earnings, the chipmaker added $277 billion in stock market value, which is Wall Street's largest ever daily gain. And despite a smaller advance on the final trading day of the week, its performance still dominated the market's attention. Leading cloud computing companies plan to boost their capital expenditures to satisfy demand for AI, training and inference. And it appears that virtually all of this spending will fall into NVIDIA's pocket, said Brian Caleo, a strategist at Morningstar. We anticipate revenue will rise by a couple of billion each quarter throughout fiscal 2025 for NVIDIA as more chip supply comes online. Now, weirdly, one of the most astonishing aspects of NVIDIA's advance is that while the stock has rallied around 156% since the day before its earnings report since last May, which is when the euphoria surrounding the AI phenomenon really took off, its forward PE ratio has dropped from 53 times to 33 times earnings. And by the way, the SME 500 is now trading at around 21 times 2024 earnings per share, which is around $234 per share. And a 21 multiple isn't just high, it's, well, frankly, largely unheard of. And while NVIDIA has pulled up other big tech and growth stocks in previous sessions as investors traded the AI play, some of these names did give up some gains on Friday as Apple, Tesla, and Meta platforms all fell between 0.4 and 2.8%. And shares of Super Micro Computer, another beneficiary of the AI rally, dropped 11.8% after the server component maker priced its convertible notes. Among Friday's decliners, Warner Brothers Discovery shed 9.9%, on reporting a bigger than expected quarterly loss as the media conglomerate battled the fallout of the twin Hollywood strikes and content generation. But Kavana surged 32.1% on Friday after reporting its first ever annual profit, helped by its pact with bondholders to cut its outstanding debt by $1 billion. And Jack Dorsey's a block 
jumped 16.1% after the payments firm forecast adjusted core earnings for the current quarter above Wall Street estimates, betting on consumer resilience. So in the end, the S&P 500 gained just 0.03% to end at 5,088.8 points, while the Nasdaq Composite lost 0.28% to 15,996.82, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 0.16% to 39,131.53. And with the annual profit growth of the S&P 500 companies through the fourth quarter now running at more than 10%, the main indices are now up 6 to 7% for 2024 so far, and we're still only in February. At least the US is still tracking real inflation-adjusted economic growth rates of around 3% or more, putting nominal growth at well over 5%, while annual S&P 500 corporate profit growth through last year topped 10%. So the market seems to have a momentum all of its own beyond the real economy. Perhaps a better correlation of markets than the macro picture is how corporate earnings are trending. And they are trending actually quite healthily, according to Justin Bergen, Director of Equity Research at Emmerprise Financial. So what about the real economy? Well, metrics like the Buffett indicator, that's a ratio of equity market capitalization relative to gross domestic product, and is used by the veteran investor Warren Buffett to indicate whether stocks are over or undervalued, shows that depending on the market measure used, the total value of US stocks is currently between one and one and a half times to nearly twice as high as annual GDP, that is historically very high. Now, granted, the index is not without its flaws. It does set the value of all goods and services produced in the economy over a year against an equity market cap on any given day. Essentially, it's a stock versus flow measure. And it doesn't account necessarily for 15 years and trillions of dollars worth of central bank monetary largesse, which have juiced asset prices far more than economic activity. But according to a 2022 paper by Lauren Swinkles, Associate Professor Erasmus University in Rotterdam, on Thomas Unlauf at the University of Vienna, it is a crude but straightforward way of measuring investor sentiment towards stock markets over the real economy. And Swinkles, who is also Executive Director of Research at Robico and Yumov, makes the simple point that as more economic resources are deployed in capital markets, equity prices are being driven up without any commensurate increase in real economic activity and expected returns fall. And yet the performance of NVIDIA and other big tech has pushed Fed worries into the background, even though investors have been walking back expectations for Federal Reserve interest rate cuts. Recent Federal Reserve speakers echo the content of the FOMC minutes since they were published. Communication has been understandably cautious on the inflation outlook, considering the recent higher-than-expected CPI, particularly stressing the risks of cutting too early or too fast. In fact, the 29th of February PCE release may well come in stronger than expected, and that would push rate expectations even further away for a cut. Fed Governor Christopher Wallace said that the bank was in no hurry to cut interest rates early, given that inflation remained sticky. His comments came after several other Fed officials offered similar signals this week, as did the minutes of the Fed's late January meeting. Labour data 
on Thursday showed that weekly jobless claims unexpectedly fell, indicating continued resilience in the labour market, which also gives the Fed more impetus to keep rates higher. The CME FedWatch tool has now shown that markets have pretty much entirely priced out the chance of a May rate cut, while chances for a hold in June jumped to 38.6% from 28.7% seen a day prior. Goldman has paired its forecast of rate cuts from 5 to 4, June, July, September and December. However, it lifted to 4 from 3 previously, more cuts in 2025, to the same terminal rate of 325 to 3.5%. And capital economics also pushed its forecast for the first cut this calendar year to June, but it's still forecasting 100 basis points of cuts in 2024 and another 100 basis points cuts in 2025 to reach the same terminal rate as Goldman. Anyway, Treasury yields climbed again this week with the 10-year at 4.247 and the 2-year now at 4.688, while the US dollar index sat at 103.93. Oil prices received on Friday and fell over the week as concerns over sluggish demand largely offset bets on tighter supplies due to disruptions in the Middle East. The US crude futures traded 2.6% lower at 76.61 the barrel, while the Brent contract dropped 2.5% to $81.71 a barrel. At the same time, oil inventories are rising. Last week, commercial oil inventories rose by another 3.5 million, bringing the four-week increase to 22.3 million. Production remains at a record 13.3 million barrels per day. Still, a recent Wall Street Journal article noted that further production increases will be difficult as companies focus their financial efforts on buybacks and dividends rather than investing in hydrocarbon exploration. Gold prices moved within a recently established trading range amid increasing conviction that the Federal Reserve will not cut interest rates early in 2024. Gold futures rose 0.74% to $2,045 an ounce. While the yellow metal has headed for some gains this week, they were largely a recovery from steep losses seen over the last two weeks, and concerns over higher for longer interest rates continue to limit any major upside in gold prices, as it did relative strength in the dollar and treasury yields. The outlook for gold remains dull, as a slew of signals saw markets further pricing out early rate cuts by the Fed. Over in Europe, European stock markets posted strong gains on Thursday, with the pan-European stock 600 index closing at a record high after the previous session's NVIDIA-inspired gains and as the quarterly corporate earnings season continued. However, the market struggled to push further higher on Friday in Europe as the data showed that the region's economic situation continued to look troubling. The DAX index in Germany traded at 17,419. The CAC 40 in France traded up 0.7% to 7,966. And the FTSE in London gained 0.28% to 7,706. German GDP fell 0.3% in the fourth quarter compared to the previous quarter, according to data released on Friday. Because GDP stagnated in the second and third quarters, the Eurozone's largest economy was able to avoid another technical recession, which is, of course, commonly defined as two successive quarters of contraction. But the Bundesbank said in a regular monthly report on Monday that Germany is likely in recession now, as external demand is weak, consumers remain cautious, and domestic investment is being held back by high borrowing costs. 
and Germans manufacturing PMIs plummeted to 42.3 in February, and that overshadowed a modest uptick in the services sector. Germany makes up a third of the Eurozone's economic output and is the largest trading partner for most EU members. The interesting question now is whether the euro has largely priced in the German slump or if other factors have prevented it from taking the hit. The euro was last at 1.0821 against the US dollar. UK consumer confidence dipped in February, according to new survey data from GFK, indicating that high inflation continues to weigh on hopes of an economic upturn, even as the latest energy price caps for April onwards fell around 12% for households, easing cost of living pressures at least a little for some. Recent comments by MPC members have not leaned to the hawkish side. Earlier this week, Governor Andrew Bailey endorsed expectations of easing this year and reaffirmed that inflation does not need to fall back to target before the Bank of England can cut. The two most dovish MPC names, Ben Broadbent and Swati Dungra, said easing is likely and that there is a risk of over-tightening. Standard Chartered Bank stock rose after the Asia-facing lender announced a $1 billion share repurchase program, along with an 18% rise in annual pre-tax profits for 2023. Allianz stock fell 1.8% after the German insurer nearly doubled its fourth quarter net profit from a year earlier, but this was still slightly below expectations. The company also unveiled a 1 billion euro share buyback. BASF stock rose 3% after Europe's biggest chemicals company said earnings will partially recover this year as it deepens cost-cutting to counter elevated energy expenses and a slump in demand. Now in Asia, most Asian stocks rose on Friday and had a positive week as optimism over AI drove stellar gains in the technology sector, while Chinese stocks extended a rebound to a second week. NVIDIA helped inspire consistent gains in Asian tech giants on Friday. South Korea's Cosby rose 0.13%, supported chiefly by a rise in memory chip maker SK Hynix, which hit a record high. Toen's TSMC and Honhai Precision Industry, both key NVIDIA suppliers, rose 1% and fell 0.5% in Taiwanian trade, respectively, but both stocks were trading higher for the week. Japan just recorded a technical recession, yet the Nikkei 225 this week smashed their past record highs despite a market holiday in Japan, which did keep regional trading volumes somewhat muted. It was last at 39.09868. Corporate Japan is getting a huge boost from the weak exchange rate and the loosest financial conditions in over 30 years. Little wonder so many investors are so bullish on Japan, even though the economy is in a technical recession and where real interest rates will remain deeply negative even after the Bank of Japan ends its ultra-loose policy. Even with four days trade, the Nikkei was among the best performers in Asia this week with a 1.6% rise. Stocks in China moved in a flat to low range on Friday, but were headed for a second straight week of gains. The Shanghai Shenzhen CSI 300 and Shanghai Composite Indices moved less than 1% in other direction, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng fell 0.2%. The Hang Seng is up 2.2% this week on strength in heavyweight tech and mainland stocks, while the CSI 300 and the Shanghai Composite were up between 34 and 4% for the week. 
their second straight week of gains after hitting five-year lows early in February. Sentiment towards China was bolstered by signs of improved consumer spending during the Lunar New Year holiday, while the government also doled out more supportive measures by cutting interest rates and restricting block share sales. But the scale of the economic problems are clear in data showing that China's new home prices continued their downward trend with a further drop of 0.3% in January, even though the pace of that decline slowed from the prior month and the biggest cities did see some stabilisation. Expecting further monetary stimulus ahead, 10-year Chinese government bond yields fell to 2.39%. That's the lowest since June 2002, and the yuan weakened to 7.1952 against the US dollar. In Australia, the S&P ASX 200 finished up 0.4% or 32 points on Friday to 7,643, and it's a fall of 0.2% across the week, punctuated by hundreds of corporate profit results. Markets have tailwinds as the NVIDIA result has re-energised the AI euphoria and the buying is supported by earnings, so it's not like the dot-com boom, said Matthew Sherwood, Chief Investment Strategist at Perpetual. But there is still some headwind to watch, as rate-cut expectations have been wound back. The best performer on the local share market was Afterpay Block. Its cost-cutting drive and December quarter revenues of 5.8 billion US dollars beat analyst expectations and the stock soared 16.5% to $170.94. Shares in home internet provider Aussie Broadband rocketed 18.6% to $4.53 after it beat forecasts for internet subscribers and profit growth. The discount broadband business has now more than quadrupled its value since its October 2020 initial public offer at just a dollar a share. Lotto stakeholder Jumbo Interactive shares rose 9% to $70.49 after it posted a better than expected adjusted profit of $20.8 million over the six months to December 31. And elsewhere's packaging business Brambles lifts its profit forecast for financial year 24 and increases underlying interim profit by 21% to 664.7 million US dollars. Among mining and energy businesses, Woodside shares closed flat at $30.51 after it agreed to a $2.1 billion deal to sell a 15% stake in its Scarborough LNG project to Japanese buyer Jira. Queensland-based copper miner, 29 Metals, owner of the giant Capricorn copper mine, posted a loss of $440 million in 2023 because of flooding, and its shares have plunged 84.6% over the year, and thus closed at just 26 cents. NZ moved up 0.96% on Friday, 28.29, and Suncorp was at $15.13 after the proposed merger was waived through by the Competition Tribunal, which, by the way, is a gaggle of eminences that sit above the ACCC. However, the Treasurer still needs to give his blessing to the consolidation, which would further reduce competition in the sector. You're reducing the number of banks in the market, and that, of course, was the excuse used by the ACCC to initially block the takeover. To the extent that it reduces competition, everybody will end up paying higher fees and higher rates. More broadly, the reporting season revealed that 60% of companies confirmed full-year profit guidance. Outside of this, there were more firms guiding to lower profits than firms tipping higher earnings. As inflation retreats, growing revenue will become harder. 
but cost pressures remain persistent as data revealed this week that wages growth was at its fastest pace in 14 years. And it was outgoing Woolworths Chief Executive Brad Producey who best summed up the bind that companies and local investors find themselves in. It's going to be a relatively painful transition from a world of price inflation to a world of elevated wages or input inflation and very muted price inflation. The market power of Coles and Woolworths means the scrutiny of their business is warranted and it's hardly surprising this scrutiny has increased during a period of elevated inflation and cost of living pressures. The competition watchdogs probe into the supermarkets should answer some of those questions and shed welcome light on the operational practices of the industry. But the ACCC's findings are the best part of a year away and in the meantime, the supermarkets will need to do a better job explaining how their margins work, something which Woolies tried to do on Wednesday when it broke out margins in physical stores, which were flat over the last 12 months, and its e-commerce business where margins were up, but still half of what they are in the store. Now, while plenty of companies have beaten profit expectations, this needs to be taken with a grain of salt, given analysts were as bearish about February earnings as they've been in 20 years. The bar is set low, and the results delivered for the December half and Canada 23 have been middling, resilient enough, but showing exactly the pressures you'd expect to see with interest rates as high as they are. So the question becomes, will the cost-cutting that's getting underway eventually spread to job losses? And there may be some relief, of course, on the horizon in the form of the stage three tax cuts and any interest rate cuts in the back half of the year. If they come, City estimates the economy could enjoy a $50 billion lift in household spending activity if that happens, but we'll see. And finally, to crypto, in the first half of the week, Bitcoin held on to its 51,000 central US level of support. But as of yesterday, there were signs that the buying support at this price had weakened. The up tick fueled by ETF purchases earlier on has slowed due to declining demand. Blockchain data indicates profit taking by some long-term Bitcoin holders after the latest bullish wave and currently Bitcoin is at 51,105 US. And by the way you can join me for a discussion of the state of play of crypto when I'm joined on Tuesday on my live stream by Adam Stokes. But standing back the dilemma that I see is the stock market is still fizzing away thanks to its AI lift, but more broadly in the real world, the economy is in a very different place. And if earnings continue to disappoint as they could well beyond AI, then the question becomes, is it conceivable that AI can drive the markets higher while the rest of the real economy goes in the opposite direction? That becomes the headache that many people will have to consider ahead. I think that investors are rather caught up in the AI story and are not listening enough to the prospect of higher rates for longer, inflation still being a thing, and overall job losses perhaps rising in the months ahead. We will see. As I say, it's a headache. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching, and I'll see you again next time.